Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. All things new. So we've looked at the reality of the new birth. We've looked at the hope of second chances and the truth of the coming new heavens and new earth. Our main scripture for this focus is 2 Corinthians 5.17, which reads like this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. As we have been enjoying the newness of spring, and I can say sometimes enduring the realities of pollen. Anybody else been having that? I thought I was going to rub my eyes out late, earlier this week. Uh, it is symbolic every year how we are happy to be done with the drabness and cold of winter and to celebrate the warmth and the color and the bounty of spring. But this year, in 2021, our longing for something new, our weariness with this past year's isolation and sickness, it has us deeply crying out, enough already. (laughs) We are ready to enjoy familiar things that will feel new because we've been without them for so long. We are anticipating the freedom and the relaxation that will be ours when we aren't concerned about spreading disease to others. But I have found myself reluctant to say um, that I'm ready to get back to normal, partly because I have a sense that we truly have entered a new paradigm. That's today's title, a new paradigm. And that the impact of the global pandemic will be far-reaching and will change many things, and some things will never be the same. And also, there are some things that I wish (laughs) will not become like they were before the pandemic. For example, rush hour in Vienna. (laughs) I do not miss it, and I am not looking forward to it coming back full force. It would be fine with me if it never got as bad as it used to be. Um, Something I've loved is people living more of life outdoors. I love seeing more walkers and more kids outside playing and the hanging out at the outdoor dining spots. It is refreshing and healthy for community for us to have these neighborly connections. So I hope that that doesn't go away. Another part, though, of our new paradigm is the reality of grief. And I sincerely believe we need new tools and capacity to carry this burden. 
In my notes, I'm talking about the amount of loss that we've suffered just in lives lost, 600,000 nearly in our country alone, which means 600,000 grieving families, spouses, children, parents, grandchildren. But there's also just the grief of lost experiences, the grief of lost opportunities. There is a heavy reality of grief. We must not close our eyes and hearts to this, but meet it with the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. This needs to be a part of our new paradigm. The economic impacts will continue for some time, and I see a new paradigm of generosity at work. So what I've observed is those who have been blessed to keep working during this past year have gone out of their way to support the church, to give to missions, to give to other causes, whether it's to help locally um, food insecure families or to support racial justice programs or any number of worthy efforts going on. People have also been intentional about supporting local businesses and restaurants. This cycle of generosity, it breaks the confining chains of a scarcity mentality, and it creates an environment for flourishing and abundance. We will always have enough to share if we trust God to provide. And I want to see that generosity paradigm just keep going forward and going forward. This call to generosity includes the Christian virtue of hospitality. It has been challenging this past year to be isolated and stuck in our own homes without being able to gather or to have guests. I hope that part of this new paradigm for us in the near future is the chance for weekly rhythms to be where we are getting together in each other's homes again, that it become a natural part of our rhythms, connecting with each other in person, nurturing friendships, and growing in hospitality. It's a new paradigm that I see in our future. And I also hope the new paradigm includes new ways of opening our church doors serving our community, supporting each other, and cultivating opportunities for relationships. Now, hear me. That paradigm is something we have to do together. It's not something I can do. It is an us thing. Your open hearts translate to open doors. Your willing hands will create service opportunities. Your flexible schedules will make room for meaningful outreach. And we together can create a new paradigm for this church to flourish according to God's plan for us. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. Amen. 
I was thinking about some of the paradigm-shifting historic events, things that forever changed the way people viewed the world and understood their place in it. So the scientific advances of understanding the force of gravity, for example, or that learning that the Earth is round, not flat, and that it revolves around the sun, that there is such a thing as germs. These things were a paradigm shift, but it was not in how things work. It was in how we understand them. Gravity was always true. The earth was always round. But people's lives changed when their eyes were opened to these realities. So early in the pandemic last year, I sensed that we were experiencing an apocalyptic event. What does that mean? Apocalypse means revealing. The pandemic has had the effect of revealing things that we previously weren't seeing. They were true all along, but we weren't living according to that truth because other things were taking priority. So here's some, some examples that I've seen. One is families benefit from time together. Now that might seem obvious, but seriously, I personally know of people where suddenly they're able to actually have family dinners together because they're together so much. The schedule slowed down enough where they actually had more time with each other. Now, side note, families also benefit from being able to take a break from each other periodically. Amen? It got a little confining sometimes, too. All right? I'm not denying that part. What else was revealed? Well, we learn who our friends are in times of need. I know some of you that had situations where all of a sudden the people rose within your sphere that made the difference, and you learned who your friends are. We learned that our economy has some dramatic gaps in it. Some areas were absolutely hammered by the pandemic, while others actually thrived. And that is going to impact us going forward. We learned how much we depend on our healthcare professionals more than we realize, and that we need to honor and affirm them. And the same is true for the frontline workers, the essential workers, the teachers, etc. People who work in a variety of places and do all sorts of jobs that we may have previously failed to acknowledge, but now we appreciate it so much more. These things have been revealed to us and it will change our paradigm going forward. We learned that we face divisions in our country that are deeper than we knew. Now that it has been revealed, we can work for equity and justice, where previously we may have been unable to even just see the issues. So these are just a few of the things, few of the ways that things have been revealed to us, but they now impact how we live. We have learned ways of working, new ways, and some of the pitfalls we've learned also from 
uh, the, the work from home template. As for our church life, we have learned how to connect digitally through Zoom and online church. And guess what we found out? God meets with us even in these venues. He is here in the midst of us as we gather in his name. So as we enter the new paradigm, those ways of connecting will be a part of our future, even as we also create new ways of being together in person. The story of the Bible, in many ways, is the story of all things made new. So we are about to celebrate the Lord's table together. One of the phrases we read every time we receive communion is quoting Jesus when he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. The new covenant is the ultimate new paradigm. And it really is a shift, a change, that by the blood of Jesus, a new covenant was established. So I want to read a couple of scriptures that help us understand just a bit about this word covenant. I'm going to read from Jeremiah 31. One, Jeremiah 31, 33. Hebrews 8, 6. And then in Luke 22. So Jeremiah 31, verse 33. This is God speaking through the prophet. And he says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 6, we read, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. <laughs> we are in the new paradigm of the new covenant, and I am so thankful to God for that reality. The scripture we'll read in a moment from 1 Corinthians is quoting this passage in Luke. This is on the night when Jesus was betrayed, then he was having his last supper. So in Luke 22, verse 19, it says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, verse 20, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice 
for you. All things new. So really quickly, covenant. What does covenant mean in the Bible? A covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved in the covenant process. The Bible talks about covenants in which God becomes one of the parties. So the Lord Yahweh chose to relate to his creation and his people through the establishment of covenants. And there are five main covenants in the Old Testament. The first one was with Noah and his descendants after the flood, promising that God would not destroy the earth by water again. He also said he would maintain the seasons and cycles of nature as long as the earth would stand. This covenant, to, as a sign, he set a rainbow in the sky. And this, this was a unilateral covenant, meaning only one party, God, had to keep its terms. It doesn't depend on what we do. It didn't depend on what Noah did. God was going to keep this covenant no matter what. God initiated a second unilateral covenant where he promised to give the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants. So the sign for that covenant was a complex ritual with male circumcision as the outward sign of accepting the covenant. And God secured this by swearing by himself. God swore by his own name and then it was first fulfilled under Joshua. The third one was the, God initiated the Sinai covenant with the descendants of Abraham at Mount Sinai. And this one was bilateral, meaning the covenant could be broken if either of the parties failed to observe it. Fourthly, another unilateral covenant was with David, asserting that he would not fail to establish a king in Israel from David's descendants. And we know that this was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Well, what happened with that Sinai covenant? <laughs> we know Israel did not keep their side of the covenant, but that's where we learned that God instead promised a new covenant. And in Jeremiah, we read it, that he said he's going to establish it. It was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where Jesus said, this is the new covenant brought to us by his blood. So when we were singing today, you are worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is amazing grace. Because we have been brought into this new paradigm, this new covenant. That is true for us. And what is required is that we simply have it revealed to us and receive it. And then we are in 
this new relationship, this new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new has come. The new covenant is ours through Jesus Christ. It is eternal. It is steadfast. It is reliable. It is secure. And it changes everything. We are no longer, friends, we are no longer under the ritualistic and legalistic forms and structures of the old covenant. Don't let yourself be in bondage to any of that anymore. We learned God's character and his nature revealed in many ways through the Old Testament. And God does not change, but his relationship with us has been made new through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This new paradigm is true, it is established, and it is available to each of us. But if we go on living in ignorance or rejection of Christ, we don't experience the new life we have been afforded. Our friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus aren't receiving the new paradigm of freedom and joy. We have the awesome privilege of being salt and light in this world, welcoming others in to the new paradigm to experience all things new. So that's what we're going to celebrate right now as we receive communion. So if you will have your elements... We do this in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the worthy one, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, whose blood has redeemed us and brought us into new covenant relationship with God. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray over the bread. Thank you for your body, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice, for the gift of your life to us. We receive this in fullness and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the bread. Verse 25, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, the precious blood of Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. 
as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray over the cup. I stand in awe of you, Jesus, and the price you paid with humility and gratitude and the inability to thank you at the level that you deserve. And yet I relish this reality of living in new relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that redeems us away, that brings us into full covenant relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. We receive in your name. Amen. Don't grow weary, but believe that we are in this new paradigm. We have things to work on together in crafting what life is going to look like in the coming days. But as we do this, empowered by the Holy Spirit, because of the new life that has been given to us, we will be enjoying, flourishing in the new paradigm that God has for us. I love you so much. Let's go out and make it a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.